like I Hold your head up high Till you find the bluebird of happiness You will find greater peace of mind Knowing there's a bluebird of happiness And when he sings to you Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works uh, of by Philip K. Dick. And in this episode, I will be considering Dick's 1964 short story, The Little Black Box. Uh, this is a very famous story, probably mostly due to its connection to Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep, uh, the, the book that was the foundation of Blade Runner, although the themes in of the little black box don't show up in the in the film version at all you know there there's that connection so this is often a tie into that to that novel which many people of course have read thanks to the popularity the relative popularity of of blade runner it's also a really interesting story that goes into dick's views of religion and faith and the role of faith and and what religion should be based on this is a story that's been anthologized quite a lot, I think. I, I, I have the collected stories of Philip Dick as my source, but I, th- I remember seeing this often in anthologies of, of Dick's writing. So it's a story people come across a lot through these anthologies as, as well. So it's a, it's a fairly important one. Um, and in the 1960, mid-1960s, the stories we've been looking at in this little mini-series of, of the stories of 1964, is, you know, there's like 12 of them. This is one of the more serious tales. There's a lot of stories that are kind of jokey, like The War of the Flanules was basically a dirty joke. Um, this one, though, is quite um, trying to do a lot of important things. So it's 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 as serious uh, it's as serious a story as you're going to get from Dick in in the 1960s. Um, so the heart of the story really is the the little black box, as the title suggests, which is essentially an empathy box. And here, the, the main idea here is that religion is is shared suffering, or the experience of shared suffering, or really rests on empathy, right? The ability to feel someone else's sufferings. Uh, to what degree is Christianity such a thing? I mean, if you see that movie, The Passion of the Christ, you know, on some level, Christians, you know, try to experience or, or ponder, or reflect on the suffering of Christ quite a lot. So that's there in Christianity. Um, but Dick's kind of looking at kind of the pure, the heart of religion, which he, which for him is resting on 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 empathy. Now, the story also gets into the kind of the politics of religion, which I think is a, a kind of interesting thing. We look at governments around the world that do suppress religious diversity, such as China. That I guess that's the best example. Doesn't suppress all religions, but certain religions that aren't controlled by the state or don't have sufficient or are seen as sufficiently threatening to the state might be suppressed or seen as cults, right? I guess technically the Chinese have freedom of religion, but they don't have freedom to join dangerous cults. So some religions are get called dangerous cults. Um, that's, but the theme of the relationship between a religion and religious movement, especially a new religious movement in the state, is kind of fascinating here because there's, I mean, ever since we've had this rise of new religious movements in the 20th century, especially the second half of the 20th century, you know, it's, it's had a kind of, a, they've had an ambivalent relationship with states. You know, states had kind of made peace with like the older religions, right? But over time, these new religions have emerged and they, they had to kind of rework out their position. And sometimes they, they weren't understood or they were just seen as crazy cults. 
you know, the, the Branch Davidians, Davidians is a good example, right? That was a new religious movement in Waco, Texas. It gets suppressed by the state, right, and leading to tragedy. And some of these, you know, do seem to be dangerous to, to members, right? We only have to look at Jonestown to know that. So anyways, th- these are all things we can think about when we, when we study this, this work. So I'm going to just sort of jump into it at that right now. Um, the Little Black Box was originally published in The Worlds of Tomorrow in August of 1964. Uh, so it's part of this series of short stories Dick wrote in 64. I think there's about 12 of them. Um, and it's kind of his last hurrah of short story writing. He would continue to write a short story here and there. But a lot of them are going to be kind of throwaway stories. A lot of them are very experimental Um you know, in a way, Dick's short story writing is coming to a, a rapid close at this point in his career. So anyways, you can find it, though, in many anthologies, uh, specifically uh, the fifth volume of the collected stories of Philip Dick called Eye of the Sybil and other classic stories. Uh, that's actually the opening tale in, in that, that collection. Okay, so um, let's jump into this, this tale then. Um, it's, it's actually in chapters, so there's six chapters to the story. So I'll just go through it chapter by chapter. Uh, it's not that long, though. It's, it's like 22 pages. Um, but still, Dick broke it up into into chapters. Um, so we open... We Our main character that we meet is, is Bogart Crofts. And he's a government official. So this is that... And his job is essentially to investigate new religious movements and to suppress them and to keep tabs on them. He's working in the State Department. And he's instructing the other main character, who's Joan Hiyashi, to go to Cuba to work on spreading Zen Buddhism among the local Chinese population there. So that's the state religion in this future world. Uh, And a big part of the State Department's job is to spread and promote Zen Buddhism. I don't know if Dick... I'd have to look into when Zen Buddhism started to become popular in California. I guess it would have been in the 60s with kind of the counterculture movement. Maybe back to the... The beats, right? The the 1950s counterculture efforts. I don't know if people came back from World War II with this stuff uh, from the Pacific. That's possible. But anyways, Dick imagines this taking over, really becoming the dominant religion of, of America. And, and they got this goal of kind of propagating it abroad. And so Joan Hiyashi's job is to go to Cuba. And this is one of the f- uh, few Asian uh, characters, characters of Asian descent in Dick's um, writing, except for I guess no, I guess you get the Japanese and and the Man in the High Castle, but not many others. Uh, so, as an Asian American, she's chosen really because of her ethnic background. Um, she, I guess, should be me, me off more authentically Zen Buddhist as as an Asian American. Uh, her specialty is in East Asia. She later discusses her orders, uh, the orders she gets from Bogart Crofts with her lover, Ray Muratian. Muratian turns on the television just in time to watch Wilbur Mercer, uh, the visible face to a new religious movement spreading across the United States. This is seen as having the potential, perhaps, of even replacing Zen Buddhism in the future. Muratian holds the handles of this black empathy box while he's watching this on TV so he can experience Mercer's suffering as Mercer walks to the place of his death. He holds on to it for 45 seconds, experiencing the pain. None of the 20 million followers of Mercer will know what happens when he finally reaches the place of death. But th- that's basically the show, is this man walking towards his death, feeling this suffering. Basically, he's going through the stations of the crosses, you know, or something similar to that, right? So 
It's almost as if you could hold on to this box and watch the Passion of the Christ and then feel the blows, well, uh, you know, along with Christ. Okay, that's chapter one. Chapter two. So in chapter one, we are introduced to this goal of spreading Zen Buddhism and the threat of a new religious movement in the United States. Now, obviously, Zen Buddhism at some point became a new religious movement that's overtake Christianity as the dominant religion in America. But now there's a new threat of a new religion based on the, this empathy. And there's 20 million followers, so it's not a small movement. People like to, to feel this suffering. Chapter two, um, Bogart Crofts is expressing his growing concern over the rise of this new religion called Mercerism. And he's talking with Douglas Herrick, the Secretary of State. They know that Meritin, because they know um, Joan Hiyashi's boyfriend, is sympathetic. So they know of him. They know he's sympathetic to Mercerism. And, and they know that, that this is a, gives some concerns to Hiyashi's mission in Cuba. You know, just you know, whether Hiyashi is compromised religiously because of her relationship with Meritin. Now, since both are telepaths, they must know about each other's loyalties. And so that's Hiyashi and, and Meritin must know, uh, you know, who's loyal or not. So that, that's why there's some suspicion about, about Hiyashi. At the same time, they're trying to figure out where Mercer's broadcasts are coming from. They eventually meet a Chinese agent, a man named Mr. Lee, who's also a telepath, who's going to be working with Crofts to find out what Hiyashi knows. He reports that the Communist Party in China thinks that Mercer may be a non-Terran. So there's so what we learn in chapter two is that there's some doubts about Hiyashi's trustworthiness because of her relationship with uh, a Mercerite. We learn that Mercerism is something that is very close on the government's attention. And then we learn that the Chinese are also keeping tabs on the Mercerism movement as well. And there's thoughts that maybe this is an alien thing. Now, maybe this is just a way of discrediting it, saying, you know, it's, 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 the, it's a foreign religious idea. But so is Zen Buddhism, right? It's, I guess it's not, it's still Terran, but it's still a foreign idea in the United States. All right. Then chapter three, Joan Hiyashi meets Mr. Lee at a Chinese restaurant in Havana. She's now in Cuba. Lee is the head of the Havana Institute of Asian Studies. Of course, he's a Chinese agent, but he's posing as the head of this Havana Institute of Asian Studies, which is one of the few places that allows the study of Buddhism in the Chinese communist world. After discussing a Zen paradox, Hiyashi suggests that Lee is a telepath, but Lee denies this. Hiyashi knows he's lying because she's a telepath too, um, and then they just go on with their meal. Meanwhile, Ray Meritin is playing, is preparing to play his harp on the radio. That's his job, but he's quite shook up from a rock that struck Mercer during the, his last use of the empathy box. The jazz commentator at the station pries into Meritin's beliefs. Meritin denies being a follower of Mercer, and, you know, this is not clear. You know, what does it mean to be a follower? He's, he experiences this. You know, it's not clear what being a follower of Mercer is. We, we don't have any theology here. It's just an experience, right? It's almost like a kind of perverse game in which one feels the suffering of, of a person on the television. So to call it a religious movement, I think, is, is it's hard to really see. And I can understand Meriton kind of denying being a follower of Mercer. Now, while he's playing the harp for a live broadcast, Mercer uses his psychic ability to collect news um, that, sorry, Meritin uses his psychic abilities to collect news that Mercer has been seriously injured. 
Also that the government is outlawing mercerism and that they're banning the use of empathy boxes. Instead of reporting this news after his performance, Meriton confesses to the public his support for Wilbur Mercer. So essentially what happens is he finds out through his t telepathy that the government is banning mercerism and he then publicly says, I'm part of this, you know, I, I use the empathy box. So he kind of outs himself as as a supporter of Mercer. I don't think he uses the word follower, really, because, again, I'm not sure what being a follower of Mercer would, would fully mean. Chapter 4. Back in Havana, Mr. Lee arrests Yashi on behalf of the U.S. government. So there's really this close relationship between the Chinese communists and the U.S. government, despite having very different systems. Um, and he arrests her because of her knowledge of Meriton's participation in the Mercer movement, and then perhaps her own sympathies towards the cause. He explains that the communists are working with the U.S. government to suppress the Mercer movement. She announces to the people at the restaurant that she's being kidnapped for being a Mercerite. She sees an old Cuban with a black empathy box and then and uses it. She feels, so she experiences this empathy box at this point. She feels that she's in this desolate area and a man is standing before her. This man is Wilbur Mercer. He tells her that she is not alone. And when she releases the handle, Lee scorns her for her belief in such a dubious, uh, in such or her kind of following such a dubious man, or kind of being bought into that movement. Later on, Lee is reporting to Croft and Herrick in the, in you know the U.S. agents about the rest of arrest of her Hiyashi, who Lee thinks has converted to mercerism in front of him. You know he interprets those events where she grabs the empathy box to be essentially her conversion to mercerism or a confession of it. Croft volunteers to then try an empathy box and he goes to reach for the handle. So this is he wants to figure out what's really going on with this movement, so he's going to try to use the empathy box himself. So chapter five. So Meriton is walking in the rain. He know he can't return to his apartment without being captured. He you know he's come out as a mercerite. He goes into a bar where he is known as a jazz musician. He desperately wants to use an empathy box because the news of Mercer was injured and he wants to experience this. He wants to feel what Mercer feels. He wants to, you know, experience that. So he gets a hold of the empathy box and he, you know, and this allows him to actually listen in to the conversation between Crofts and Herrick. And I think it has something to do with the fact that Croft has volunteered to, you know, he's grabbing the empathy box himself. So it's kind of a collective experience. Meanwhile, Croft releases the handles and he announces that he didn't meet Mercer, but he did make contact with, with Meriton instead. And, you know, because they're both holding the box at the same time. He confirms that Meriton is not Mercer and that he does not seem to know much about Mercer. That he's just kind of a casual user of this device. He tries to convince his colleagues that Meriton is not a threat or the center of the movement, and he kind of resigns uh, very abruptly. Herrick realizes that the Mercer movement may have just gained another follower. So just using the empathy box is creates an experience such that people want to experience it again, right? Uh, kind of a religious experience. And that's it's not so much the ideology, it's actually the experience of using the empathy box. And and that's a very insidious way that this religion can spread because, of course, everyone wants to try it, right? It's 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 fun, it's interesting. Even though if you know you're going to feel pain, it's, it's such a kind of a bizarre, wild thing to, to feel someone else's suffering. That, that I could see people being attracted to it, at least in the short term. And then if it has a positive, you know, benefit for you, then you could join and join up. I, I'm still not clear how much we can call this thing a movement. It, it seems to be much more just a, 
uh, something people like to do because there's no theology, there's no movement, there's no organization really revealed here. So then we get to chapter six. Meriton and Hiyashi, who was released as part of the scheme to trap Meriton, meet at the airport and purchase tickets to LA. They plan their escape, hoping to use uh, their telepathy to get beyond the police and everything. They're given a sample of cereal from a vendor. He looks strangely like Wilbur Mercer, uh, according to uh, Meriton and Hiyashi. And they go into the box of cereal and they find, you know how you, there's sometimes toys in cereal? I don't know if they still do that, but they used to. Here in the box of dry cereals, instructions on how to build an empathy box. So this is one way the movement has been spreading is kind of covertly by just, you know, people can build this thing themselves. It, it's not that complicated, I guess. Now, that's the story. Um, so what to make of this? Well, the black box is important story because it's, I mean, it's important on its own. It's, it's not just a connection to his most famous novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, but thematically, the black box and do androids are tied around an exploration of empathy as a means to challenge and confront an unjust world. Empathy is institutionalized, in this case, in the form of, of a new religious movement, although institutionalization might be a bit overstating it, but it, it, it dwells in this movement. Um, it's very decentralized movement, right? Made up of a networks of solidarity and emotion and, and experiences. It can best be understood as kind of a form of bottom-up resistance, um, but it's it's kind of a religion too. It it does have aspects of religion. It has kind of a leader. It has it very much is maybe how early Christianity was. I'm I'm not sure, but it's it's both kind of a political resistance movement, but it's also a religious movement. Wilbur Mercer is never seen in the story, except through the eyes of the major character, Joan Hiyashi. She sees him twice, first when she uses an empathy box, which is the major tool of the religion, and second as the street vendor smuggling to her the instructions about how to build a new empathy box. And that just could be someone who looks like Mercer. Mercer is never seen, but he is recognized immediately when he is seen. Right, so that, that's kind of an important aspect of, of Mercer. People seem to know who he is on an emotional level at least people who have used the empathy box. The government debates where he is, and they want to kind of suppress him, but they want to crush the head, but they don't really realize they're dealing with a kind of an underground network of, of emotions, not really a movement where just top knocking off the guy would, would work. It's really a futile strategy because Mercer, Mercer really doesn't have a single head. It's, it's a hydra or a web. I'm not even sure the empathy box is a technological device. It might just be a form of meditation almost, right? It seems to be constructed with things just found around the home. So maybe it's just a tool that helps aid and focus a collective delusion. You know, I'm not even sure it's a tech at all. People are drawn to this religion for the feeling of solidarity it brings to people sharing this experience. In contrast, the ruling regime is a highly individualist form of Zen Buddhism, which encourages solitary reflection and meditation rather than collective action. It's actually a very good religion for, I think, a capitalist world. Even Hiyashi admits, I mean, if, because it, because it, it's so hyper-individualist, right? It, it, it talks about connection, but you know, it's it focuses so much on like one's individual meditation. And I think if you look at like the capitalist class in America, you find, might find a lot of attraction to some of these Eastern religions. You know, Christianity, which is pretty clear on necessity of poverty, giving away your, your wealth to the poor, all those, all those kinds of things are 
a deep bigger threat actually to uh, to to the capitalist system. Even Hiashi admits that Zen Buddhism is a form of kind of stupidity, exoling the virtues of being easily manipulated. The Chinese regime is communist, but also opposes mercerism because it's a threat to their monopoly on collectivist thought. So it, it's kind of like there we got in China you have a top-down kind of collectivism. Mercerism is more of a bottom-up collectivism, I guess. And it does expose the hypocrisy of state socialism. Mercerism provides a more authentic solidarity than anything that can be provided by the state. It's actually an unstoppable force, mercerism is. The ending scene where a street vendor smuggles instructions on building an empathy box show that this web is alive and well, despite government repression, or maybe because of it even. As we learn, when Mer Meriton and Croft use the empathy box simultaneously, the device also seems to create unity among its users, allows users to communicate, not simply between the user and Mercer, how most people think it works. You know, They think, oh, I just experienced Mercer. But it's more than that, it allows connection between users. So you're getting, you have this network nature of this, of this religion. New religious movements in the story of the black box and elsewhere in Dick's work is usually a threat to the hegemony of a ruling regime. Dick sees ideological conformity as a key to social control. He's done this all, all throughout his career from the earliest days. New religions are not only, um, are not the only, but they're still a significant means to undermine ideological superstructure of a society. This doesn't mean we should sympathize with each the values of each religion just because they're promoting diversity or because they're a challenge to authority. There's a lot of bad ideas in religion too, but religion often does pose a, a foil to the ideology of a state. Many religions, though, are reactionary or authoritarian or, or see themselves as have been a peaceful adjunct to the state. Mercerism, however, seems to be a religion that emerges from Dick's real values and his emphasis on the human need for empathy. Right? And that's really all we know about mercerism is it's about sharing collectively suffering. Through the empathy boxes, mercerism creates a type of alternative media as well. Ray Meriton's career as a live broadcast radio musician suggests the limits of traditional media. It can only carry one message at a time. It can't announce the news about the, the he can't announce, for instance, announce the news about the suppression of mercerism without interrupting his broadcast. But while someone in the in the empathy box is able to experience many different things immediately, right? Those kind of the feelings of empathy are much more complex, but it carries more information than words can. The media is also susceptible to government control. The truth of the message is not even very clear. Um, Mercerism promises a much more networked and diverse method of communicating across society. Not just a new religion. Mercerism is a new is kind of an internet. So that that's my thoughts on the little black box. A really great story, one of Dick's greatest, and I think a, a highlight of Dick's 1964 series of short stories. So thanks uh, as always for listening. In my next episode, I'll be closing the door on the 1964 series of short stories with Precious Artifact. And yeah, then I think one, oh, there's nine, I, I just counted. There's nine stories uh, published in 64. I think I'll say in 12, but no, it's only, it's only nine. With 1963, it's, it's 12. Um, but, you know, that's going to really put an end to Dick's short story writing. It, from, the, from that point on, it's going to be really sporadic that he, he publishes stories. The most important one would be Faith of Our Fathers, which would be, was not even published in a magazine. That was published in Dangerous Visions.
1967. Uh, so we'll get to it, but um, we're going to get back to novels shortly as well after after um, Precious Artifacts. So um, if you have any of your own comments about the little black box, though, please leave them below or send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com or you can contact me on Twitter or any other many other places. So uh, keep in touch if you have your own feelings about it. If I missed anything, if I misinterpreted something, please let me know what you think. Um, I'll see you next time when we'll be looking at Precious Artifacts. So thank as thanks as always for, for listening. You must search till you find the bluebird. You will find peace and contentment forever if you.